What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I am here with Casey, and we are discussing The Walking Dead episode 13 called Warlords. And this is a Aaron and Gabriel-centric episode, which I'm glad of because I will never get enough of this dynamic. We need to get a spinoff with those two because... That would be good. I'm just saying, because they are so great together. You know, I never really thought about those two characters kind of like meshing well until the, you know, the third half of the season last year, the the extra COVID episodes where we saw them go on this mission together and they encountered Maze and that whole episode. And I was like, I would have never paired these two together and thought that this was the dynamic duo, but I'm feeling this. So we get another episode with those two. And it, this episode was interesting. Very. Because we meet some new characters. Mm -hmm. We meet one that supposedly is, you know, kind of weird and cool. And then we find out he's like the, one of the deadliest motherfuckers on the show. Mr. Mr. CIA person, Toby Carlson. Yes. And then the other thing is, we get introduced to this badass looking character, you know, this person who comes out of the apartment community. She's got a scythe on her uh, shoulder and she's walking around with this mean mug and looking. I was like, oh, she's going to be interesting. I should have known not to get attached to any <laughs> characters this late in the game. Like we are literally almost done with the entire show and they introduce this badass. I, I should have known. I should have known. I should have known. Yep. Got to die. Y'all couldn't give us a boring character. And then we didn't even see the death. We just come back and eat. And she just. After, after eating all the rations. Girl. Anyway, let's start with this episode. So from the beginning, I am going to say, I'm feeling the whole Elijah and Lydia flirtation thingy. I can ship them. Did she realize he was flirting? She, I don't think she did. She and okay, so here's the thing. One, I don't think maybe she well, no, she would because she kind of sort of had the relationship thing with Henry. So she knows what it's like to like somebody, you know, she's not that far removed, but I think it was cute because they weren't necessarily flirting with each other. But you could tell that there was something there because when she got ready to leave and Lydia is getting ready to leave uh, Hilltop, she's about to go to the Commonwealth because she's pretty much had it with the living conditions of um, the Hilltop. And she's talking to him and he's looking over at her and he's like, oh, you're leaving too? And she's like, yeah. And she's just answering him really innocently. It's like there's a pause at one point and she's looking at him like she's expecting him to say something, anything. He's just kind of like, oh, okay. And he gets ready to leave. And he's actually, he's at the top of the uh, gate shooting arrows and killing walkers. It's like a game he's playing with Marco. (laughs) And so when Lydia walks out the gate, Marco is like, yo, dude, shoot your shot. First of all, I was like, how y'all going to use shoot your shot? When that is an <laughs> hour time term that y'all don't know nothing about because y'all have been in this apocalypse for 11, 12 years. 
That phrase, you don't know nothing about that phrase, but it what was the old people might have said it and they heard it or they overheard it. They don't even know that phrase. That's that's a internet, social media, TikTok, Facebook phase that they probably have never heard of because of <laughs> when this, you know, or you know, anyway. But that whole little exchange was cute because this is the first time that we get to see. Elijah just kind of being normal and the funny thing about it is with him acting this way with Marco you know playing the game as far as shooting the walkers and then his exchange with Lydia I think that's when I realized oh he's supposed to actually be a younger character like I look at him and I think you know oh he's supposed to be like in his 20s or something no I feel like he's supposed to be younger because Lydia is only 18-ish maybe mm-hmm. yeah because because this is still within two years of us even meeting the whispers right so yeah elijah's supposed to be a little bit young and that kind of threw yeah. me i was like remember remember when we saw his sister she was really young so maybe they were close in age yeah because the sister looked like she might have been maybe very early teenager you know, maybe, maybe around 14, 15, somewhere around that. But that was interesting for me because I never thought of Elijah as a younger person, probably because we've only ever seen him in like dire situations since he came on the scene. So to see him being kind of like his authentic self right now, like they don't have any pressing threats against them. The Reapers are gone. The Whispers are gone. He's just allowed to kind of be himself right now, you know, and I was just looking at it like, oh, okay, this is an interesting dynamic. And then when he does, you know, try to tell her, hey, do you want to escort? And she was like, why? He's like, oh, oh, because, you know, it's it's a long way. You might get bored. I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely young because he has no game. What's (laughs) Hell, his friend had to gas him up to even talk to the girl. Yeah. So, yeah, but anyway, pause mm-hmm. one second. Mm-hmm. Is that a Lego Rick around your neck? It is. <laughs> I it, look. I'm like, is that fucking Lego? <laughs> it is. So I went to Fandemic this past weekend. Had an amazing time. Got this really awesome T-shirt, and I think the um, I think the name of the vendor is Nevermore. I have to go look, but yeah, I got this T-shirt, and then I went to another vendor. And got some earrings. I have some crossbow earrings, which I have been looking for some decent Walking Dead earrings for a very long time. So I got crossbow earrings and um, I got like some other earrings. I got like Baby Yoda and Daredevil and uh, not Daredevil, uh, Deadpool and Spider-Man, Batman. I got like a whole bunch of fandom earrings because I've been looking for them for some for a while. So she had these necklaces and this was the only Rick and I'm going to... This is the Rick. He's so cute. That is super cute. And it was the only one left. So I grabbed it. It was only $3. So I was like, oh, I'm going to put on my Rick stuff tonight. <laughs> so, yes, I have Lego Rick. You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep hope alive. You know, we're still hoping to see Rick at some point in, in this these Rick. final episodes. You have to what they say claim it. Yes. We, we okay. So so I'm manifesting Rick Grimes. <laughs> and see, I'm man, 
and I'm manifesting my boo. There you go. You got your Michonne. I got my Rick on. We, on yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, going back to the episode. So as Lydia and Elijah are having this exchange, they hear, uh, you know, they hear hoofbeats. And it turns out there's a horse and there's a rider. There's an injured rider on it. And this injured rider has a copy of a map. And the map has you know, the hilltop kind of circle. And it's a map of the surrounding areas. And when they take it to Maggie to look at, she's like, yeah, we're not going to wherever he was from. (laughs) No. And they're like, but he came here asking for help because obviously somebody had to send him there. Like you just don't know where hilltop is out the blue. Somebody gave you a map with hilltop circle. It has to be somebody that y'all know. You know, and Lydia had a similar map as well. She had a map of um, the hilltop. I think she said they were like um, checkpoints that the hilltop had established just in case any, I mean, that the uh, Commonwealth had established just in case anybody from hilltop changed their mind and decided to come to the Commonwealth. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Y'all really putting yourselves out there for this so-called hick town, as uh, Lance calls it later on this in this episode. But anyway, but you know what my thought on that? Why would if if well, I guess that goes back into the story that Maggie ends up telling when they in the truck. Because if this town has told you we we don't want we don't want no part to what y'all got dished out, are they relying then on the people deserting it? Because if you have checkpoints set up, why would you do that for someone who made it clear, you know, this this is not what we want. So what would be the point of the checkpoints? Probably because I think probably because they realize that even though Maggie says no and she's speaking on behalf of the community, you have to think about it. You have people like Diane, who was part of Maggie's community, but she was like, you know, I respect you, but I can't keep living like this. Maybe they figure, okay, you know what? There'll be some others. They might they might not all come at once, but there might be some people who trickle down and will just be there for them if they decide they want to come and go. Because again, we're going to go back to this phrase. People are a resource. That's true for even the Commonwealth. You know, they may not really want to have anything to do with these smaller towns, as Pamela Milton said, you know, but they're people, they're resource. Mm-hmm. And they might become valuable. I mean, you already can see that our people are valuable in the Commonwealth. They provide things that other people in the Commonwealth can't do. We see that Aaron has a job doing outreach. And basically, obviously, Technically his job already. Right. And here's the other thing. So you put him in an outreach program or, as they say, an immigration program. Because what you do is you send people out to find other people in other communities and try to bring them into Commonwealth. You basically are, Aaron is basically doing the same thing he was doing for Alexandria when he first encountered our group. You know, Father Gabriel is preaching in a church, which was so weird. It was. I looked at him, I was like, Because... It actually seemed to fit this time. You know, we've seen him kind of sort of preach before. We've seen him have his church in Alexandria. But I don't think at those times I ever felt like he was really, really into it because we know that he has had a struggle with his faith over the last few years. In this particular episode, I felt it. And I was just like, 
Oh, okay. This is different. Look at the father preaching. But the father is still father the savage father. if he needs to be. Oh. Because when they you are going to find out. Because <laughs> when they are talking to Toby and he's trying to get them to go into this building and then it turns out not to be what Aaron has told Father Gabriel. And he was like, what's the problem? Father Gabriel was like, your plan is shit and I don't want to die today. I mean, he was giving off these little one-liners this whole episode and I was just here for it. He was like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. I'm not doing this. <laughs> just like... And when he snatched that collar off, I'm going in like this. Like I was like, oh, we're going to get the brutal Father Gabriel. He was like, no, I just... You know what he what is it that he tells um Ian? He says, I wanted you to see who I was before you saw what I was. What I was. You know, especially it being a religious cult, or I won't even call it a cult. Let me let me not say that word. They are a religious group mm-hmm. that they're trying to approach. And he was like, Yeah, okay, because you know, sometimes when it comes to religious groups, when when it comes to people who are not practicing the same faith or coming in with a different group they look at him as a little hostile so he was like okay we're gonna kind of nip this in the bud before it started because what he said um he said that doesn't look friendly that looks like someone's grandpa sitting with his itchy finger on the trigger telling people to get off his lawn (laughs) get you he was like look we have done this long enough we know when something looks like hostile territory and your 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 people are setting up camp over here meaning we're going in by ourselves hell no gabriel was like ah nope this is not what i left my church for i'm i'm, I'm going back gabriel was like like uh-uh he's not here for it let's just say that right and i wouldn't have been either because like he said the way that building looked locked down they, they fine they they don't want no help. They don't they don't want no help. They don't want no snacks. They don't want nothing. They well, want they, the- they want the snacks. They want the MREs because they've been taking those, but they don't need anybody else. But okay, so let me tell you about the whole thing that was so weird about that. And we'll get back to Maggie and all of them because that that ties in directly with all of this. Toby Carlson, who is Aaron's boss. He's the one that, you know, heads the outreach programs. And when Aaron is pitching the idea to Gabriel to bring him along, he was like, yeah, we we think it might be good for you to come along because they're a religious group, blah, blah, blah. He was like, "My yeah, Carlson, my boss, he's, well, you'll see when you meet him. Carlson was one of those when he first starts speaking and he's just kind of like so excited about what they're doing. I was like, oh, is this Lance 2.0? He was he just came across very weird to me. <laughs> and then but when he first came in, I was kind of like, he was something gonna happen with him. I thought he was gonna die. But I was like, um, yeah, okay. I wasn't expecting what we got at all. At all. At all. At all. Like he did a good ass job. He did. He did a good ass job. Because when he went, oh, okay, we're going to get to when he was talking to Ian. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that from him. Because the way he comes across, and I, and I think that's that's probably the good thing. 
because he presented himself as exactly what he needed to like this kind of odd weak. I don't even know if I would say weak because even the way that he talked to Gabriel and Aaron, when they were saying, yeah, this plan is not the way it needs to go. This is how we need to do things. And he was like, look, there's no discussion. You guys are going in and we're doing it my way. That's it. (laughs) So he has that authority and you can see that. But at the same time, he just, he just seemed off, but I didn't think it was the off of, oh, okay, I'm going to pretend like I'm scared of you. And then I'm going to pull out my gun and shoot you with both of your boys in the blink of an eye with everybody else looking like what the fuck just happened. No, that was Ian's gun. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I wasn't expecting him to be able to do all of that. I was thinking that he was one of these people that was in charge and doing stuff and had never faced danger and that he got himself into a situation that he wasn't going to be able to get out of and that it was going to be up to Aaron and Gabriel to kind of fight them out. That was the whole way I was reading that scene up until the moment that he did what he did. And I sat there looking at the screen like, well, damn, that was unexpected. I didn't expect it at all, at all. But then we find out, we find out in a flashback that he used to work for the CIA, that he used to be an assassin. And I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, you got to put on that front like, oh, I'm I'm harmless. I'm I'm scared. Because like when he was on the floor and he's like, "Mm." because I really thought Ian was about to kill him. I was like, oh, this is, I was, you know, I was thinking in my head what everybody says about our group whenever they join new communities or whatever, like people start dying, which I mean, it happened in this episode, but not because of anything that our people did. Right. You know, Aaron and Gabriel, they were trying to do what they were supposed to do. They were trying to reach out to these people. Basically, it was like 40 people who lived in in an old apartment building, their religious group. They have mass every Tuesdays and Saturdays. I think that's what he said, Tuesdays and Saturdays or Wednesday and Sunday, something like that. But they they approach this building and Aaron, of course, makes first contact. Hey, I'm Aaron. I come from a community. We want to help you guys. We've been leaving these these MREs for you. And since you've been taking them, you know, we kind of figured you guys are hungry. We have more. We just want to help. Who can we talk to? And like I said, they send this one chick out badass looking she's like she's like dressed in like she's like dressed in almost all black she's got these thick gauges in her earrings she's got the bald head she's got the scythe on her shoulder and just the way she walks out she's walking out with bde you understand what i'm saying she's walking out that way and i was like oh okay she they they sent the badass out like and and just the way that she interacted with them she was like weapons all she had to do was say one word and they was giving them up she went over to uh what's the what what was the guy's name jesse he was the intern the person who the new guy who was working with carlson and he looked like he was about to shit his pants girl the whole time he (laughs) he looked like (laughs) he looked like he was about to fall apart he ain't want to do no missions no more after that and i mean the way she walked around and she was just kind of like getting all the weapons and then she looked at aaron's arm and he was like yeah no it's a bitch to take off (laughs) 
And she just like, okay, whatever. She didn't say it. She just looked at him, turned around, had them follow her. And all this time, I'm just like, when when they walk in and you see the other people that are there and they got all these big, like big dudes and these females who look tough and imposing, like they about to, like they about to fuck some shit up. I was like, oh, so these are going to be our new allies in the... Girl, that lasted this long. <laughs> it lasted long enough for you to get the idea in your head. Girl. Because by the time we come up out that room. Done. What the hell happened? Right. What, what did it say? I was only going five minutes. <laughs> I don't even think it was five minutes. Uh-uh. It took long. It's I, I feel like it took longer for them to walk down the hallway to get into the office within than it did for them to actually be in the office and go through all of that. Yeah. So they get into this office and they 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 meet up with this leader of this group, and Aaron goes into his his little spiel about I come from a community called the Commonwealth, and we have technology, we have movie theaters, we have da da da, just like before. You know, everything happened. And Ian busts out. He was like, oh, okay. So you have all of this stuff you say it's just like before. So you got hookers too, right? You got drug dealers uh dealing, you know, giving drugs to kids, and you know, you got the wrong side of the track. He's saying all this stuff, and I was like, Come on, well, don't have that. Where is the hoes? <laughs> right. Because but when you think about it, it's like, okay, so. The Commonwealth, we already know there is a resistance. We know that there are things going on in the Commonwealth that the leader of Commonwealth don't necessarily know about. She doesn't know about whatever the secret group is that Lance is, you know, doing with Shira, Stephanie, not Stephanie, or whatever. She doesn't know about his agreement with the people who make the poppies. So I was like, is there like a, a, a I, I won't even say a criminal element, but is there like an otherworldly, hey, kitty. <laughs> Casey's kitty just jumped up on the back of her chair and she's kind of, yeah, she's, she's making biscuits on the chair while we're talking. But anyway, so that really made me wonder, like, I wonder, do they have that kind of element in Commonwealth and it's just not known about? I mean, you would have to because it can't be this grand, pristine, you know, place. Because remember, it's a whole, you know, even though Lance goes to the poppy fields for the opium for the um, hospital. hospital. Now, you know, good and daggone well, Mm -hmm. there are people there who are using that opium to be outside of hospital walls. I'm sure. Especially and, if they're living in it, some of the conditions that the Commonwealth has them living in. And I'm sure, even if, if that is what's going on, you know, Lance got his, his fingertips in it. Because where else would the. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on now. So, hell yeah, it's a bad side of Commonwealth. I'm sure, we know it's a bad side of Commonwealth because remember where the raggedy apartments was. I'm sure that's where all the, the business goes down. Right. Because I'm that's what sure. I'm saying. And even though, yeah, that's kind of stereotypical of what we in, encounter in our world, like, yeah, the slums, the ghettos, that's where all the, you know, the, the, the seeds of sin are sown or whatever. But you guys are rebuilding your, your Commonwealth just like the world before. So why wouldn't it be 
something similar to that. I mean, think about Daryl's apartment, water leaking, the loud music and all those. Yeah, I probably would be too. Like, okay, you know what? I mean, so anyway, before we keep going with Ian and all of that, we're going to go back to Maggie and them because it's kind of going to tie in together. So like I said, Maggie and them, they're on the road. They're getting ready to go help the people because Maggie has decided, well, Lydia has convinced Maggie because Maggie is like, no, we're not going to go help them. And they're like, what happened to helping people, helping others in need, you know, giving our, giving our assistance. I thought that's what we do. And Maggie was like, maybe we shouldn't have or something. I was like, oh, you're starting to sound like Michonne. I was just going to say that. Just going to say that. You know who she sounds like. Right. Like, now you see why Michonne was was, right. Wait, but Maggie wasn't there for that. She Technically, she was. She left during all of that. Oh, yeah, because they had signed the treaty. Mm -hmm. They had signed the treaty. And Maggie was there, but Michonne and Maggie, I think, weren't really on good terms at that time because of Negan. Right. But remember, Maggie was there because this was after Rick had disappeared because she was there. Mm -hmm. Because when Rick blew up the bridge, Maggie was the one who was holding. um, Wait a minute. It was either her. That was Daryl and Carol. No, Daryl was on the other side. It was Maggie and Carol who was holding her when... Mm-hmm. Why do I have a vision? That's yeah, I think Maggie was there, and you know they had this thing where Michelle. No, Maggie didn't come back to after the Whisper War. Yeah, but remember, she left during the time that Michonne had basically cut herself off from Alexandria, because remember okay. that's when she found when yeah. when she was getting to the point where she was starting to reach back out to them after Judith had ran away and was like, "Hey, we need to take these people to the." uh where were they going to take them to the kingdom or to the hilltop? They want to take them to one of those places, the hilltop, I think. And that's when Tara let her know, oh, well, just so you know, you know, Maggie's gone. She's been gone for a while. And Michonne was like, why didn't anybody tell me? Well, you cut yourself off from everybody. Why would we tell you? You was being a yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, during this exchange, Lydia tells Maggie, she's like, look, these are the type of people she said this guy clearly needed help like he came through the gate or he came up to the gate shot and died outside the gate and he said you have to go he was trying to get help for someone and Mm -hmm. Lydia's like look his people probably need help and that's the kind of group my mother would have targeted and I would have helped her back then I'm not about you know I'm not about to sit here and not do anything I'm still leaving but I got to go help these people first. And you can kind of see it with Elijah and with Marco, because they're all looking at Maggie like they're disappointed in her, you know? So as they're packing up the truck for supplies, Maggie comes out there and, you know, she's like, okay, give me the keys. I'll drive you take over. And we see this little cute little exchange with her and Herschel. He's so cute, but. And bad. But we don't know. We don't know he bad until the next <laughs> Until the next episode, as you say. <laughs> anyway, you know, they need to pass out belts at the start of the apocalypse. We'll talk about that later because that don't happen until the next episode. That don't happen until the next episode. Oh, that, oh yeah, you. look at you. Okay. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> All the kids in the apocalypse need to whoop enough. Let's just put that out there. 
they need whoopings. So anyway, they have an interesting conversation as they're on their way to wherever this place is. And Lydia, I have to say in this scene, Cassidy McClancy did such a great job because Lydia is older, but she kind of folds into herself in this truck. And she seems so small and she seems so young and so vulnerable while she's having this conversation with Maggie. And it kind of, it makes you remember one, how young she is. And two, just exactly how much she's gone through before she found this group. And again, I think you remember when we talked about a couple episodes ago, I was trying to figure out why she stayed in Hilltop with Maggie when she didn't know Maggie, you know, like she knows Daryl, she knows Carol, she knows the Alexandrians, but I have to remember a lot of the Alexandrians still look at her as an outsider because she was Alpha's daughter. So maybe she stayed behind with Maggie's group, like, okay, this can be a fresh start for me. You know, instead of being in a place that's got a lot more people, we have to remember Lydia is not used to being around that many live people. But my thought for that is even if I, I, I don't think because in her mind, well, never mind, because I was going to say in her mind, she'd want to be wherever Nia was. And well, I guess that's why she left Alexandria because Nia was. Yeah, remember there. he. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? you wouldn't go to the place where Megan is probably the most hated, you know what I mean? In, in, in Hilltop community. So I, I, I didn't understand that because to me, if you, you know, she was disappointed when Negan didn't come back and why leave the place that he would possibly come back to? Because to me, it, it's like, that's her connection. You know, remember he saved her mm-hmm. and all the other stuff, all that bullshit was happening, but why would you then leave the place and go with the person who gives the less fuck about me again? You know what I mean? Well, I think we have to remember things might be a little more complicated than that for Lydia, because yes, she connected with Negan to a certain degree, but you have to remember her relationship with him is also complicated because even though Alpha was her mother, she did bad things. She was still her mother and Negan was the one that killed her. Okay. So I think she probably understands that complexity. And that's one of the reasons why she kind of bonded with Negan, because he was also an outsider existing within this community. So Mm -hmm. I think she bonded with him in that way, but she probably didn't stay in Alexandria because if you think about it in those terms, like she is the closest to him for the most part, he pretty much abandoned her when he made the decision not to come back. He was like, okay, and and didn't give a reason to anybody else aside from Maggie as to why he didn't come back, you know? So she was probably like, no, I'm not going to stay here because he's not here. And even if he comes back, I don't want to talk to him, you know, because she is still a kid. So people like Daryl, Carol, yeah, she has a relationship with them, but that's complicated too. Yes, Carol looks out for her, but her mother killed Carol's son. So, you know, for Lydia, all of these relationships are very complicated. And maybe yeah. even, even with the fact that Maggie is the person who hates Negan the most, 
Mm-hmm. because she's probably heard so much about Maggie. And again, Maggie did come in and kind of save them from the whispers. She probably figured, okay, this is some place that I can start fresh because even though she was close to Negan, Maggie is not necessarily going to be like, okay, well, you were close to Negan. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, let you in. She's still a young girl. And like I said, I feel like she kind of maybe reminds Maggie of Enid. So I, I think that probably yeah. is what it is. And, and she was just like, okay, you know what? She's not very familiar with the hilltop, but you got to remember the hilltop is the first place that Lydia saw this civilization, these communities, because that's where she was held captive. So, right. um, you know, when they found her. So she probably has more of a connection to Hilltop. Like, oh, this is where I first learned that life outside of being a whisperer was possible. Hilltop probably reminds her of Henry because that's where she met him, you know? So, I mean, just like in the same way we we tried to, you know, we were trying to figure out why Maggie would go back to Hilltop after it had been burned out. Glenn is there. So it kind of makes sense that that would be a place for both of them to like maybe go to start new to start healing because again this is kind of still fresh off the whole whisperer war so lydia is still trying to get used to one being from under the grasp of her mother and then two she's trying to figure out where she fits in this world and you hear that in the conversation because she questions maggie about why she won't take the commonwealth's offer and maggie is like because we don't need it. And to Lydia, she was like, um, yeah, we do. We're struggling. We, are, we, we don't have food. You know, the place that we live in needs rebuilding. And of course, the Commonwealth is not helping to rebuild Hilltop because Maggie refused their offer. So it's just on them. And Lydia says something about, you know, I, she said, I just want a place where I can stay and every day is the same. I just want to feel mm-hmm. safe. And you know, when when she says that and you see her facial expression and you see the tears in, in her eyes, you, you do remember she didn't have that for most of her life. She lived amongst right. the walkers with her mom. So she questions Maggie about all of that. Maggie tells this tale about, you know, some investors who tried to take over the farm and Herschel was like, no. And they dropped food off for the cattle and Herschel let it rot. And I was like, yep, that sounds just that sounds just like something Herschel would do. And she basically talks about it. She says, you know, they knew a, a, a drought was here. They knew we were in debt. They offered three times what the bank, I mean, what the uh, farm was worth. Dad told them no. And we made it through. The drought was over. The farm became prosperous again. And we survived. And Lydia was like, yeah, you got by, but why would you have, you know, why would you just want to do that? And like Maggie said, she was like, these people haven't been tested in 10 years. Do you really want to be there when they do? And I was like, nope, you only want to be there now. No. Lydia, you don't want to be there now because they, no. But you know what I was thinking? Cause like going back to the Commonwealth and just the fact that we know how our say our savior lord we know how our survivors mm-hmm. are so it's like yeah i was thinking this like yeah there's a resistance somewhere in this background but you got four of the baddest motherfuckers in your town about to fuck some shit up father gabriel mm-hmm. 
Carol, mm-hmm. Aaron, mm-hmm. and Daryl. Oh, and yeah. you, I was gonna say Rosita, even though she oh. is wearing a Commonwealth uniform, but yeah. Rosita is gonna be down for whatever her people, you know. So yes. yeah, yeah. So you got like these five people who are now going to number one poke and prod and peek and see because you know carol is the best spot of them all carlson ain't got nothing i can't wait till we talk about that next episode because carlson ain't got nothing on carol but you know we got this you know this chameleon in mm-hmm. carol who is gonna figure out in the backslide and the you know to the side and see what carol's gonna mm-hmm. figure yeah some shit out and then you put that together with everything that they've been through and they've been outside the walls and so they know how to survive through people that want to eat them and and people that's trying to kill them and people that's hunting Mm -hmm. them down and you know they have been through all of this so this commonwealth shit y'all don't have y'all y'all guard up you know as tough as some of the other groups and stuff that we have encountered because mm-hmm. y'all oh it's lax we got the military we got the army blah 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 blah, blah. And, and we saw how effective some of the military is last episode so yeah what training do y'all do Mm-mm-mm. we're not even gonna have that conversation again because we, we 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 talked about them quite bad in the last but, episode but that, but that goes to say because maggie and um elijah and lydia, lydia ran mm-hmm. up on some that were already dead yep. so it's like mm-hmm. what? not only did they were they they were they have armor on and whoever killed them got around the armor that part that's somebody skilled that part. so anyway they go ahead and kill these commonwealth walkers and then there's a guy who's running up the street hey hey maggie and it's aaron so then that's when we go into that whole situation with them trying to get into the building and where we left off with Ian, the leader of this religious group, basically telling them, you know what? So you guys come in here and you're offering us, you know, a chance at life within a community, this, this that, and the other. Oh, here's the other question I had. So you remember when Aaron first approached our group to join Alexandria, remember he had the photographs. So in this episode, he has an old iPhone. (laughs) So here's my thing, because if we take into account the timeline and when all of this supposedly happened, supposedly all of this happened right around the 2010 mark. okay? Okay. And the Walking Dead universe is somewhere around 2022, 2023 now. Mm -hmm. So... I don't remember phones having swipe technology back then. And even if they did, how would he know to do that right now? See, y'all messed up in this episode. First, you say shoot your shot. And that is very clearly a 20, 2019, 2020 phrase. Wait, wait, well, could you, swipe, could, could you swipe then? I don't, I don't think so. I don't, no iPhone. I'm I don't either. I don't either. So, so that's a question that we probably need to could you swipe back? Well, I know you couldn't on no on no um Android. Android. You had to press the button to go. <laughs> you had to press the button to go to the next thing, girl. So that's a thought. Mm-hmm. That's that, you're right. And he but just, when he pulled that iPhone out, I was like, "Oh, you got chargers because it's bright." 
Well, I mean, he is living in the Commonwealth now. So the Commonwealth may have that technology. They may have saved some of the cell phones. And even though you can't call on them, because I'm pretty sure there are no working cell phone towers, but you can still use them to take pictures and listen to music and stuff like that. So maybe that's what they're doing. But I thought that was really odd. I was like, how he know about swipe tech? Now, okay, that's just me (laughs) being a little too particular. But anyway, so he's looking at these pictures and he was like, okay, so you guys are offering us a chance to come behind your walls because you think we need you and stuff. So where, where is this community located? And Carlson is like, he can't tell you. He's like, why? Because you said so? Yes. Well, why am I talking to him? If you say he can't do something, okay. I should be talking to you. And then he tells them to look behind him or behind them. And there is a shelf full of skulls like five different shelves and they all got skulls and supposedly somebody named billy johnson came and offered them the same thing a few years ago and basically all billy johnson wanted to do was get them in the open so that he could take what they have so then he pulls the gun on carlson he was like you know how 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 stupid of me would it be to let you walk out of here and you know where I live and I don't know which, which, where you live. And he goes into this whole thing about, yeah, you guys probably came here because you want what we have. And girl, Father Gabriel, <laughs> Father Gabriel, he was like, why would we want that? This place is a shithole. Why, why do we want, why would we want, what, what sense does that make? We're trying, to, we're trying to bring you into the good side. Come on over to the other side. Right. But you think we want this place? He said, this place is a shithole. Why, why would we want this place? He was like, you want it for the meat. Aaron's like, you, you, you think we're cannibals? Like, like we, we came here with MREs. Like, we have food. I don't know how good MREs taste. I, I don't know. But Rick and Michonne seemed to enjoy them when they had some. So I, we should go find us a pack and taste it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we can find one. They, they do have like the army stores yeah. and we're going to get us one and we're going to taste it. We're going to do that for one of our episodes. We're going we're gonna to taste it just so we can see when the apocalypse comes. I bet it ain't got no flavor. I don't know how I feel about that, but oh, okay. But I guess I, I, that would be something fun to do. Just like grab an MRE and, you know, what was it that Aaron said about the MRE? He was like, the chicken is rubbery, but it, it'll right. do. I'm like, how is, like, aren't MREs like powdery or are are they, I, I don't know. I thought. Maybe it's like space food because, you know, space food is like they have them compacted into these little cubes and maybe that I don't know. I've never actually seen like the contents of an MRE. So now you have me curious. See, now you have me curious. I'm going to Google it. MRE content. Okay, so we're going to have to get one and taste them and see what it's like. But anyway, so as we as as we said at the beginning, Carlson is down on his knees. He's crying because Ian is, you know, got the gun to his head and he's threatening to kill him. And then Aaron and them convince him, like, dude, we we don't want what you have. We we really are trying to help you. But if you don't want our help, Aaron is like, look, just let us go. We promise we will never come back. And again, Aaron is the person that you want to listen to because Aaron is the person who connects with people. He's the one that makes people listen. And Ian looks at him and he was like, what a day, what a day. Okay, yeah. You get out of here. Don't you ever darken my doorstep again. And in that moment, Carlson gets up. He takes the gun. He shoots the two guards in the back and then shoots um, Ian in the shoulder. And Aaron and Gabriel look like, 
what the fuck just happened? What the fuck this just happened? I'm pretty sure Jesse probably peed his pants sitting in the back of the room because he he was already scared when Ian had the gun. So to know that this guy that you're supposed to be training of, under all of a sudden becomes this ruthless killer. Okay. And then he's like, he's like, lock this door. Don't come out until I say it's until I make sure it's safe. You about to go out there. And you know, when I went back and looked, looked at it the second time, when they're coming down the hallway and you see all the people in the doorways and you kind of mm-hmm. see Carlson just kind of glance at them and come back. He was counting. He was counting to see how many people were there and where they were. Mm-hmm. Because now that we know he's from, he's CIA, he was assessing the threat level. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so when I come out, I'm going to have to do this, 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 and this. I'm going to have to take out the when Jason Bourne on their ass. Girl. And then... He pulls in out into the little lobby area. And of course, like I said, we see all the little badass people that we saw at the beginning of the episode. They all scattered around the room dead. I was like, really? Y'all couldn't leave some of them alive and give them a choice? Like, hey, do you want to die with the rest of these people or do you want to come with me? Well, they did say that to some of the people. (laughs) They said that to the people towards the end of the episode and we'll get to that. They said it. But they didn't say it to the badass people. The people who were sitting there guarding. No, they had to take them out because they, they were the guards. They, those were essentially their guards. And that's what you do. You assess the threat. Mm, I don't think. Um, yeah, they all got to die. Yeah, because you know they probably heard them gunshots and was like. Absolutely. But you know what? Even with that. Maybe they heard the gunshots and thought that Ian was killing folks. So they probably weren't even prepared for what came out the door. That's true. That's, that's, no, that's because, true. because obviously if you have, a wall if you wall. have skulls on the back of your wall, your people know that you are capable of killing some people. Right. So they probably weren't even prepared. No. At all. So anyway. Carlson brings Ian out and basically what he's asking and what we find out is they're missing some guns and some other things. Lance. (laughs) Okay. So Lance calls Carlson into his office and he's telling Carson that, Hey, so, you know, we've been doing this initiative with these hick towns out of Virginia. I looked at the TV and said, no, you motherfucking damn. Like you came to them. Well, yeah, you came to them in Alexandria. Like, yeah, you had Eugene and Ezekiel and Yumiko, but you came to Alexandria. You will not disparage our home city like that. Like you could have left them alone. But he has a bigger picture, which, okay. We'll talk about my thoughts about that later. So anyway, he's telling Carlson about this. He was like, so... We have a convoy of supplies. You know, Pamela gave us resources to send out to these communities. However, I sent out a convoy for that other thing. And apparently the convoy got jacked and I need you to go and recover these guns and these supplies. What is the other, what is the other thing? What is the other thing? One of two things. And this, I'm going to say this now, but I'll explain it more when we discuss the next episode. Okay. So he's either getting the guns for the resistance or 
he's undercover for the CRM. That's what I feel like. But what what would the CRM want with Commonwealth? To, to kill all them people? I don't know if they would want to kill all of them. They would probably want to absorb them. Because think about it. CRM has 200,000. 50,000, like I said, and I said this when we first started talking about the whole Commonwealth, 50,000 is nothing to bat your eyelashes at. That's a lot. That is a lot. And for you to start with a smaller community and build it to that point, what's to keep you from building it to more than that, to something that will rival the CRM? Pamela Milton may not even know the CRM exists, but somebody has to, because think about it. Lance was listening to the radio when Stephanie made contact to Eugene. Who knows what other kind of radio communication he's overheard. So we'll get back to that little theory, as Mike likes to say. We'll get back to that when we talk about the next episode. But in this episode, so he's telling Carlson about this. And he was like, I, you know, Carlson is like, you know, send in a unit. He was like, no, if I send in, you know, a hundred troops, Milton is going to notice I need a surgical solution. And Carlson is like, oh no, I don't do that anymore. I'm Zen. Girl, I laughed when he said that. But Lance was like, I need the former CIA assassin to go in and handle this for me. And then after he says that, this idiot threatens Carlson. Like, oh, yeah, that quiet retirement. I can take that away from you. And the funny thing is, Carlson, when he first comes into the office, you know, Lance offers him a drink and he was like, no, I'm four years sober this month. So when Lance does that, Carlson walks up to him and Lance is holding, you know, his glass of uh, whiskey or brandy, whatever he's drinking. And he was like, Lance, do you want to die? And he sticks his finger in the drink and swirls it around and he just takes it and he just tastes it. And I was like, oh, so he's sober, but he's like, yeah, I'm gonna have this one little taste because that's all I need to get me going. But he said that and Lance was just kind of looking at him. Now I would give Lance this. He didn't look away. He didn't shy away like, oops, I just, th- I just threatened a big bad CIA person. So some- there's, there's more to Lance than we know. Absolutely. There has to be, because he didn't even flinch. He just turned around. He was like, look, he was like the soldiers in that convoy. They were all in their 20s. That's on me. And you could see when he said that Carlson's face changed like, oh, shit. Like, okay, this is bigger than my pride. They've killed kids. You know, if he was CIA, chances are he was former military. And you see this in all the little military shows and movies and stuff. When it comes to the younger ones being hurt or killed, that affects them, you know, because it's, it's that whole thing of, oh, your country sending children out to die. Right. So he's like, okay, I'll go, you know, how, how do you expect to do this? So that's when Lance asked him about Aaron. He was like, how's Aaron working out? Oh, and you know about his friend, the preacher. And he's like, ah, okay. So since this is a religious group, we're going to go in like we're making contact and then we snuff him out. Okay, Carlson. What you do. Oh, no, the, the wink. Right. And, and. <laughs> And we see that's what Carlson does. He he gets in there. And then when he brings into the lobby, he's like, okay, look, you guys stole some stuff from us. I need it back. Where is it? And Ian is like, I don't know where this stuff is. And he hits him with the gun. Now, 
here's the thing. So Aaron and Gabriel are looking at this exchange take place. And you see Gabriel move across the room twice. Like the first time he hit him, he moved across the room. The second time Carlson hit Ian, Gabriel comes out from the side, whop, punches him in the face. I was like, all right, handcuff him. <laughs> I was like, if y'all kill Gabriel at this point, because I, Gabriel is, he has become one of my favorite characters because of the growth of him. And we've said this, we talked about it, you know, when we saw Seth Gilliam at Sonoya, he was at fan, uh, Fandemic. I got up and I asked him a question and you know, he was talking in the panel about how his experience has been different from everybody else's because basically when they go to like fan events and stuff for the longest time, people will boo him or he would get hate mail and all this other stuff. Like there was one point in the panel where him and um, I almost called him Paul Rovia, <laughs> Tom Payne, Jesus, we're having this conversation about the differences in their characters. And, you know, Tom was like, yeah, I used to get a lot of love from people in letters and stuff like that. And Seth was like, no, we, you know, we got hate mail. And then they start talking about social media and how people can be cool on social media. And he was like, yeah, Josh came off of social media because he got death threats when all that stuff with Eugene went down. And Seth was like, he got two death threats. I got 12. Fuck Josh. <laughs> it was funny. But anyway, so we were talking about how his character has changed and adapts and whatever. So anyway, like I said, he punches Carlson. And then Aaron is just still sitting there looking at him in disbelief, like, what the fuck are we doing? And he tells Aaron, he was like, don't look at me. And Aaron was like, we are supposed to be helping people. He said, we are helping people. This is how we do it. He said, we eliminate threats. That's part of it. That's the other side of it. So it's like, yeah, you have the part where you go in and do your nice talking and you you talk to people, but there's another side of it. There are people who genuinely mean us harm and we have to eliminate those threats. Oh, we've heard all this before, right? A couple of times. So while they're sitting there doing that, you know, they put Gabriel in handcuffs and then they hear a horse getting away and they go outside and it's Jesse. And he's on a horse and he's going away. And one of the Commonwealth soldiers shoots him in the shoulder as he's going off. And then Aaron, bow, he takes the, so my question he takes is, that little spiked fist. What? My question is, okay, because we saw Jesse go to the tree and get the horse and then mm-hmm. Negan but where shows the, up. Yep. Where, where was the building in, in, in retro? Because so, when he got to the horses, he wasn't shot. But then he got on the horse and rode back past the building. I, that part I didn't understand, like the logistics of it. I'm guessing they tied the horses up maybe around on the side of the building. Okay. Because from the direction that he came in, and then of course we know, like you said, Negan shows up. Get he's the one who actually gives Jesse the map to the hilltop because when the um the chick that's with Negan, I think her name is Alice, when she comes up and Negan says, What do you see? She was like, There's one out there, and they've got a preacher and a guy with a, sp- a spike on his arm. And Negan's like, Fuck, that's Gabriel and Aaron. And she was like, Oh, you know those people? He gets the map, he circles where Hilltop is, and he tells Jesse, he said, you go to this community here, you ask for Maggie and nobody else, you tell her Gabriel and Aaron are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's the one that sent Jesse 
to the hilltop. So while they're doing this, like I said, Aaron attacks the Commonwealth soldier that shot Jesse. Like literally he puts the mace through his shield and kills him. Mm -hmm. So of course this leads to a standoff between him and Carlson because Aaron is like, this ain't, I ain't signed up for this bullshit at all. Carlson gets ready to shoot Aaron, girl, when I tell you. So we saw this episode again this past Sunday at the Sonoya Smokehouse. We went as part of the viewing party for the camp. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, when he pulled that trigger and the chamber was empty, everybody in the restaurant went, (gasps) Everybody was like, You do not play with Aaron like that. He has not. He has to get Rick's death. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean we don't play with aaron we don't play with aaron i fucking with you <laughs> so anyway she tries to shoot aaron no bullets aaron's getting ready to they getting ready to fight because he's like oh okay you want to do this yeah let's do this he throws down the gun they get ready to fight and then here comes some commonwealth soldiers from out of the woods and they shoot at Aaron. So Aaron takes off running. Then you hear the Commonwealth soldiers who are inside call for Carlson and they come inside and the guard that was guarding Gabriel is dead. Gabriel is gone. So Carlson is like, you know what I, I said? My- I was like, I fucking do this. <laughs> I, I was like, okay. I was like, okay, Gabriel, a little more skilled than I thought. Okay. But no, we find out that Megan and Alice have snuck back into the building. They find where Gabriel is and Alice comes through and she just stabs that guard in the neck real quick. Oh, okay. She, she, she quick with the knife. Okay. And then of course, you know, Gabriel sees Negan, Negan sees Gabriel, Negan frees Gabriel. And then he's like, look, we have to go. And Gabriel's like, we can't leave Aaron. He was like, look, if they catch us, we're all dead. We'll, we'll figure that out. So they go through the building and then we talk, we find out that this is the building that, uh, or this is the community that Megan has been living with since he left uh, Maggie at the church when she was burying um, Alden. So there are still some people in this building scattered throughout and they're all hiding from Carlson and his people. Now Carlson has, some, he has found some of the people and he has them on the roof and they're kneeling at the edge of the building he's like look your leader is dead you guys stole some stuff that belonged to us where are my guns and of course they don't know what's going on they're like we don't 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 know know. so he starts pitching them off the roof at first and all negan and alice and and the other people can do is just hear their folks fall it's like nine of them and then you know carlson tells them okay go through the building Anybody who doesn't give you any information, kill kill them. And then after he says that, we see a Commonwealth guard being drugged and it's Maggie, Lydia, Elijah, and Aaron. They have made their way back into the building. So now you've got Commonwealth soldiers looking for the residents of the building. You've got Negan and Gabriel with some of the residents. And then you have Maggie and company here. And that's where the episode ends, but it's kind of like, this is about to get interesting because you have our group down here who none of these people in the building know. 
So if they come across them, that might be a conflict that, you know, I don't know if that would be able to be avoided because again, these people don't know who Maggie and them are. Maggie don't know who these people are except for what Aaron has told them. So Maggie and them, they have a little bit, they have a better advantage because at least they know, okay, look, there are people who live in this building and they're Commonwealth soldiers. Now, granted, the Commonwealth soldiers are going to have the armor on, right? but Aaron has already told them, yeah, so this is what the Commonwealth did when we went in this place. So, you know, Maggie was probably looking at Lydia like, this is what I meant. <laughs> I told you. Right. But, okay. Negan coming back. That's going to be interesting. Because now I want to know, okay, so I need to know the, the timeline. Because as we find out in the next episode, it's been some months. At least 12 So. <laughs> at least four weeks it's got to be longer than that but we'll talk about we'll talk about the why it's got to be longer than that but you know he's been gone for a while so obviously it's been six months not yet it i don't will. think mm-hmm. or probably right around there because uh-huh. because daryl hasn't gotten there yet so we don't know exactly no, like but remember we knew from the time jump that it, it was six months time yeah, it was six months time from the from the first time that I guess the Commonwealth was there or from when they returned from Meridian to when the Commonwealth shows up at Hilt, um, Hilltop's door. But we don't know exactly how long it's been. No, it is up to this. No, point. it is six months because remember the same day they came home from Meridian is the same day the Commonwealth showed up. So it's been six months. Because remember, in the time jump, Daryl's it's, it's six months later. The time jump there at Maggie. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the time jump hasn't happened yet completely. So we don't know where within that six month period we are. That's what I'm saying. Gotcha, gotcha. We know we know it's been at least three months, but we don't know where in that three to six month period we are now. Like how much how much time how much time, how much time evolves from when. Aaron finds out what the Commonwealth has done to when they show up at Maggie's door, because as we see in the preview um, for episode 15, not the next episode, but the episode after Mm -hmm. that, we saw in that preview, Aaron has to go back to the Commonwealth and basically he tells them, okay, this is what happens such and such. So we know that he does go back to the Commonwealth. It's not like he abandons the Commonwealth and then they figure out, oh, something's going on because he can't do that because they still have people in the Commonwealth. They have children in the Commonwealth. So so it's somewhere in between that three to six month range. We don't know. We still don't know yet what it is that brings Daryl in the Commonwealth to Maggie's door. We don't know what that is. Again, I'm thinking it's not antagonistic, especially given the way we see events going now. I don't think it was one of those, okay, you're going to open up and let us in or we're going to come in. I don't think it's that. Like I, like we, we have said, Daryl and Maggie, they would never get to that point True. where they're fighting each other. True. So I think there's something else going on there that we have not seen yet. We will probably find that out in episode 15. Because yeah. there might not be jumping ahead, but I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. I'll, I'll but, go over that theory later. <laughs> yeah. But we are starting to see the real facade of what the Commonwealth is, or, or I should say that that facade is. But yeah, that facade is is dropping. We're starting to see one. Lance is a little more 
conniving than we expected, which I knew he was going to be. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have his hands in like different pockets. And at first, I was thinking it might have to do with the uh, with the resistance. But I wasn't quite sure why. Again, we talked about it over the weekend. I'm starting to think that him and Pamela Milton may have been married at one point because the way that she, the way that she talks to him, like, especially when they were leaving the tent, when they were in the Uh tent and they were talking. You've always been ambitious and you've been ambitious all of our lives. Okay. And then the way that he talks to her, the way he looks at her is kind of like, it's one of those where he's trying to get her approval, but at the same time, he despises her. I feel like that was either a relationship gone wrong or it could maybe be a sibling thing, but I don't think, I don't think it's a sibling thing. I really feel like that was a relationship gone wrong. And like, she became maybe the more powerful of the, I I don't know. It just, there's a weird vibe with them and for him to be going to the depths that he's going to you know and the other thing too he that comment that he said to carol about i proved myself to the milton family a long time ago what does that mean how did you do that Mm. you know a lot of times with men though i wouldn't see that as married maybe not married but there was there there's something there there's some kind of relationship that was there that no longer exists. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they were like, like she said, maybe they were both ambitious, but she climbed the ladder more than he did even before all of this happened. Mm -hmm. And he holds some resentment towards her. Now, for what reason? I don't know. I don't want to say it's the whole thing because she's a woman and he's a man. I don't think it's that one dimensional. I think it's a little more complex than that. They, They have a different type of relationship and something in that relationship happened but then probably the apocalypse happened. It's like, you need me, I need you, blah, blah, blah. But we still got history to go. Because they, they yeah, and pre, and pre-apocalypse. Right. And then it's also too, like he, he is ambitious. We see that, but he's still not on her level. And you can see that that bothers him. And he's trying to do something about it. I, again, I don't know if he's trying to do, his, he's trying to make his own community or if he's working for the CRM, but no, he is trying to make his own community because that's what she said. She was like, "Oh, so if once we take over all these places, it's gonna, we're gonna need somebody to run it." Yeah, but that doesn't mean that's gonna be his own community in that sense. It will still be part of the Commonwealth because, like she says to him, the Commonwealth comes first. So I think he's trying to do something outside of the Commonwealth. But if he's sending guns. That could be part of the resistance. Like um, Tyler said, there's thousands. We don't know how many thousands. It could be 1,000, 2,000. It could be 30,000. They have 50,000 people. It could be a sizable amount of people just waiting for the right resources to do whatever it is that they plan to do. That's true. That is true. But Lance got his hands in some pockets and he doing some stuffs stuff and i need to know what stuffs he's doing a whole bunch, <laughs> a whole bunch. and i'm sure it's gonna come out because we know right now he uh what do you call open range yeah how much open range you out here doing because i'm sure this jack convoy or this situation is not the first time that you like oh something is happening let me hmm, let, 
let me see what I can do. I'm recruiting uh, former CIA agents and shit. So, mm-hmm. Mona, you yeah. know he a drug dealer already. <laughs> we already know he he dealing the the poppies and the opioids. So we already yeah. That. I feel like there yeah. Lance got his I feel like there's some of that a whole mm-hmm. lot of shit. Lance had. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out exactly how much. But Lance, because because it's like he the same way um Carlson stuck his finger in that glass. Lance got fingers in in, in a whole bunch of glasses. And we're gonna, yep. I mean, we're gonna find out what exactly they are, but Lance ain't nobody to play with. Cause you remember how his face was when he was talking to Eugene? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. Mm-hmm. But um, I need to see more Aaron and Gabriel together. Which we will. Because I like I, I like that dynamic. We will. They they balance each other out very well. Um, but it's so weird because you would think when, when you look at them, first impression, you have Aaron who has a, who wears a mace on his arm and you have Gabriel who is the preacher. So you would think that Aaron is the violent one and that Gabriel is the more calm one. And it's actually the other way around. And and that's so funny. It's so funny. Now, Aaron, now Aaron can fight and he can get down and dirty if he needs to, but that's not necessarily his first choice. Right. Cause you see, he knocked the shit out of He'll fight you. Uh, that Commonwealth soldier, he's like, oh, you shot in I was like, oh, okay, Aaron. Okay. But you have anything else to say about this episode? Because if not, we can go ahead and close this out so we can get started on the next one. Because the next one, I got a lot to Me say. too. No. Okay. So that's it for this show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can watch our videos on YouTube and listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.